Hey, welcome to night school, day after Labor Day, whatever that means, whatever that means here. I guess school is officially starting in many places. The kids are doing, their kids are back in, in, the, in the classrooms. Uh, but I was thinking just now about someone I know who I'm not in touch with anymore. I haven't been in touch with for a while, but who was a very important person in my life for most of my life, almost my entire life, a friend of mine. And I still consider this person, him, I consider him a friend, a, a dear friend, even though we're not in touch. And that's an interesting thing when you feel that way, when you're like, you know, there are issues there, there's clearly a divide there. Uh, but, you know, I don't not consider that person a friend anymore, you know, especially when you consider the many years that we were active friends. And it's not the first time that there's been some sort of divide, but it's, it's an interesting idea. But I was thinking about an experience I had when this person, they had moved to a new city, and I went and visited them about four or five years ago. And it was something I was really looking forward to. I'd had somewhat of a shitty year, and so here I was going to this you know, new city, to a city I'd been to, but you know, I was going to see this city in a new light with an old friend. Uh, who had established himself there. And I went, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I don't, I don't subscribe too much to astrology, but I like it. It's, it's one of those things that sometimes I feel like it does hit somewhere deep, uh, but not always, and I do feel like, you know, your astrological profile does define you in certain ways. It's not all-encompassing, but I heard a joke recently it was, you know, astrology is libertarianism for women. And if you actually think about what that means, it's, it seems very accurate, you know, where it's like, well, everything will just kind of work out how it's supposed to, which is very much the, the political libertarian idea. You know, the market will correct itself. Everything will correct itself, you know, based on what the people want or, you know, what the, whatever the people ultimately want to manifest will be how our society, our economy, whatever else functions. And it's funny how a similar astrology actually is to that, where it's like, you know, we have these certain traits that are assigned to us, and, you know, things will ultimately balance out how they're supposed to because it's all in the stars. And I don't know, it, if you actually think about it, it's a very funny joke because it is a very similar philosophy. And it's especially funny because the people who believe in astrology are so fundamentally opposed to libertarianism in so many cases. You would think the sort of person, the stereotypical, uh, the person who reads their horoscope every morning and, and you know, is like, oh, is very much the same sort of person who... <laughs> you know, reads about libertarianism and is like, yeah, yeah it's very similar. But uh, before I had made this trip to this city, uh, you know, my horoscope said something about, you know, you're going to have like a, a serious fight with a, a dear friend. And I just laughed. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go visit one of my closest friends. You know, the chances of us having some sort of conflict on this trip are slim. And, uh, you know, and there was nothing but good energy going there, you know, the trip there. It was nothing but good energy during the travel, during my travel, and he picked me up, and it was all excitement. It was all good feeling, uh, you know, in a warm place. Good feeling in a warm place. And, uh, you know, and that kind of continued through, you know, most of that first day. But by that night, things got really weird, and without going into detail, basically... Just some weird forces came into the situation, uh, external forces. Here we are being very vague, but still, and, and just 
alcohol was involved, and thankfully that's not a part of my life anymore. And it didn't involve like poor behavior while drunk or anything like that. The alcohol was is I shouldn't even have mentioned it because it actually really wasn't a significant part of everything. I think it just brought out or or ma- made a situation that had already made took a bad turn even worse. Um, and uh, you know, so that kind of set the the first night on a bad you know on a bad tone but something kind of magical was already in the air for lack of a better word you know it was a very synchronistic trip there were a lot of weird little signs weird little coincidence coincidences recurring themes that not only i but also my friend and his significant other were all aware of we were we all couldn't help but notice these signs and they they were happening repeatedly throughout this entire trip and it was weird too because you know this friend had an ulterior motive of trying to convince me to move there. And uh, this friend, love him to death, you know, to this day, love him to death, but he was very used to his friends ultimately doing what he wanted throughout most of his life. He's very much a leader uh, and not somebody who tried to be a leader, not someone who tried to be overtly charismatic. It just, you know, he had a certain charm about him, some of it natural born, some of it obviously just through his ability to figure that part of humanity out. He was able to kind of get people behind him, and they often did what he wanted. And not necessarily always manipulative or anything like that. I just, in every sense of the word, he was, or in every sense of the idea, he was able to get people to do what he wanted. And I was always the friend who was a little more resistant. And one thing I learned growing up, and I've learned it as an adult with many different people and situations, is that there are some times where it's much easier to be passive not passive to the point where you're doing something you don't want to do, but passive to the point where you... It's easier just to kind of let somebody else take the steering wheel, and that actually gives you greater freedom, and you can leave anytime you want. As I've said before, you know, I go into a room, I look for the exit, and I look for the seat with the, the wall to my back. That's just what I look for. It doesn't mean I always have to have it. It doesn't mean there's there's not some you know, sometimes maybe it's good for you to not do that, to not know where the exit is, to not know where the seat is against the wall. Sometimes it's good to do that. But in general, just my natural instinct is always to look for the exit, hopefully more than one, and also to look for the seat against the wall. Uh, But with this person in particular, I knew growing up that I could still completely be myself not follow this person, not do what this person wanted, but in social situations, especially when there were other people who were much more under this person's influence, I could just kind of go along and do my own thing. So there was no real precedent, though, for me in this friendship to like just follow along or, or to take orders from this person. Uh, and as you know, we've gotten older and you know, other people have come and gone, it, it it made it for an interesting dynamic because, you know, just the two of us, uh, where, you know, I, I clearly wasn't a follower, but this person clearly was used to being the captain of the ship. And so going to visit this person in their new city where they had, they knew the lay of the land. It was their place and where they also had, you know, and I don't mean this in any kind of, sinister way, but they had an ulterior motive to try to convince me to move there. Because, you know, and that's, it's not sinister, because it's like this person wanted a dear friend to be in the area. They wanted somebody from their whole past to be in this area. 
And that makes total sense why they would want that. You know, it's hard to make close friendships as an adult. And I'm not saying this person struggled with making friends or anything like that. But, you know, somebody who knows your entire life and was there for it is uh, someone who you can't easily replace. You know, you can't just that's no matter how close you get to someone as an adult, you can't replace that sort of dynamic where this person was there for those stories. Uh, so, you know, when I got there, I knew I could feel it right away. It was, I already kind of thought that might be the case based on some conversations that had been had, uh, you know, both directly and indirectly. But in being there, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of starting to feel like everything on this trip is not designed to facilitate, you know, a good time, a good hangout, an adventure, but to kind of try to entice me to move here. And as I talked about with movies, where it's, you know, anytime I pick up on a, an agenda beyond a good story, I don't want anything to, I don't want to watch that movie. It's like we're seeing now with these, you know, ploys to like force diversity into film and all that. It's like, it's not even about, it's not even the fact that I don't want a black female James Bond. It's about the fact that I can sense that agenda. I know what you're trying to do and it removes me. It takes, it, it ruins my ability to connect with the story if I feel like there is an overbearing agenda. And you see that all the time, and especially now, where that's kind of inserted, injected, I should say, into everything. And so in this, on this trip, I, uh, I felt that there was this injection, this, this, you know, everything was kind of like, well, look at this. If you move here, you could do this. If you come here, you can eat here. And anybody who knows me now, and I feel like especially if you had known me for decades, uh, you would know that... Yeah, I like a good meal. You know, I can appreciate a good meal, but I've never been someone who's like, you know, if you go into this area, check out this restaurant. Oh, have you tried the, uh, you know, have you tried the veal parmigiana? You know, I'm never somebody who, that's never my go-to for me, and it's never my go-to if someone asks me about something. Like, if someone asks me, like, what's fun to do? I mean, I had this question about a year ago. A friend of mine who lives in this area was like, in my current town, was like, Oh, you know, my my grandpa's coming to town and, you know, I want to take him to do fun things in the area or like interesting things. Like, what would you recommend? And that's a horrible question for me because my natural go to is like, well, there's this like weird, uh, you know, rock that I think used to be a piece of concrete that's like off this trail and uh, it's really cool and, and uh, <laughs> you know it's like my go-to is something like that and not not that I that, you know obviously I'm being like purposely obscure or something it wouldn't necessarily be that but have, have you tried walking you know have you tried going for a walk that's like my go-to is just like have you have you tried going for a walk or just like looking around uh, have you tried driving through this neighborhood? You know, it's like, that's kind of my go-to. I'm not the person to ask if, if you want to know, like, what restaurant to take someone to, what tourist site to go see. Uh, and that certainly applies to my own travels, where the last thing I'm going to be interested in is, like, what's the best place to get a burrito in town? A burrito. Where, where's the best burrito in town? You know, that's the last thing I care about. And I'm not saying that in some ascetic, like, I don't care about food, you know, I, I want to have, I want to taste good things, you know, it's not like I'm rejecting all of that, but it's just not my priority, and this person would have clearly known that about me, you know, and so it was weird because, like, part of this trip involved, like, constantly going to restaurants with this, like, almost tour guide style, 
you know, presentation where it was almost like sweeping arms, like open your arms here, like enter the restaurant door. And we did a lot of like cool shit. Like I, I absolutely appreciated the trip. I, we did a lot of cool things, like just even for me, like going to cool museums, things like that. And I'm sure if this person listened to this episode, as I said, we're not in touch, but if this person were to listen to this, they would probably be upset just based on the way I'm talking. And I understand that, you know, nobody wants to be talked about. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not naming names. I'm not naming locations. And, and it was just a strange trip to me because as all this was going on, like, and that's what I'll say, too, is like I'm a person where the two things I want to do when I'm with people or when I'm alone, but when I'm with people, especially on like a trip or anything like that, is I just want to hang out and go on ad- adventures. And oftentimes, even just hanging out in one static place is an adventure. And going on an adventure, a long, crazy adventure, to me just feels like hanging out. So it's like those two things feed into each other. And that entire friendship was based on that, that we both were able to do that. And, you know, and, and there was like a significant other involved who's awesome. You know, I, I, she's an awesome person. And like I had no problem with her being involved. And maybe that was part of like maybe maybe her influence was one reason why it was like, well, let's take him to these places, you know, and that kind of thing. And I should add, I'd been to this place before, you know, several times, many times in my life, I'd been to this city. So the city wasn't entirely foreign to me. Uh, But seeing it, I was seeing it through new eyes, through someone I knew my entire life who had established themselves there. Uh, But it was just weird, because it was like the things that we connect over and the things that we like to do seem to be completely minimized and it was all based around like I felt like someone's uncle who was in town you know and like the kind of things you would show your uncle and he would just kind of nod along and be like oh yeah you know I was just like this is weird because like you know if, if there was like a motive to convince me to move there you'd think we would do the things that I like doing because those seem to produce the most you know, that, that seems to produce, for lack of a better word, the magic, the magic behind like the friendship, the magic behind all of that. So it was just weird that I felt like I was on some sort of tram. I felt like I was on, you know, like a, you know, a, a theme park ride, you know, just one of those ones that just kind of like cruises you through sites like uh, Universal Studios when they show you the old uh, like movie sets and the shark and stuff. I just I kind of had that feeling, and that would have been fun. I would have loved to have done that. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was just this weird thing where there was this pressure, and I could constantly feel it and, it, and it was constantly coming out in the form of like, let's go here, let's go to this restaurant, and uh, you should try this. And that's totally normal. That's how normal people talk, and I recognize I'm not a normal person. But it got to the point where there was this like noticeable tension and agitation and this friend was starting to get really like vicious toward me on this trip. And it seemed like everything that I did on my own was not what I should be doing. And it got to the point where we even went to a a place that was famous for its tacos (laughs) and I ordered a burrito and he was fucking mad at me. Like seriously, like he was like, you should have ordered the tacos. And I was just like, well, my burrito was good. You know, it was, it's that, that was an actual interaction. And I had met this, this girl too, the first night and I ended up doing a drawing of her and not in some weird, like adoring way. It was like, I truly felt like she had some, she had this dark, sinister energy and not, not that she was doing anything malicious and like, I didn't get involved with her or anything. Uh, But we met her and her mom the first night I was there. And that was actually the source of the original conflict because she was 
part she was half Ukrainian, half Mexican. So you can imagine like the dark, alluring visual of her uh, just from that description alone. And she had just gotten out of jail and she claimed that she was dating this very famous you know, billionaire who also owns a, a professional sports team, which seemed like a lie. But her mom was there because she had gotten her out of jail and her mom was uh, backed up everything she said. And her mom, you know, her mom had driven out from another state where the daughter was from. And naturally, the daughter was an aspiring actress, voice actress. And she did have this very, like, deep, this beautiful girl, but this very deep, kind of like almost not, not Cruella DeVille, but what's the character from, uh, like, Night on the Bald Mountain? Maleficent. Mal- whatever her name is, it doesn't matter. She had that kind of voice, like this, this this witchy voice. And, you know, she had a dark look, like not her skin. Her skin was very fair, but she had very dark hair. And, and there's just Ukrainian, half Ukrainian, half Mexican. It's just never come across that before. And, you know, I found her very attractive and stuff. And we ended up meeting up with her twice. And or we, we, we ended up running into them. And then we met up with them later. And then... We ended up seeing her again, but, like, this was this source of conflict. Like, I didn't do anything with this girl. Like, we just talked, but, uh, you know, it just... I'm not even going to get into all the details, but it was just... This friend was just really didn't... You know, they did not want me to be involved, like, in any... Even in conversation with this person after a certain point, and it involved, like, me being left behind at a place where I didn't know the way back, and through some just dog-like ability, cat-like ability... I found my way back to where they had gone, where my friends had gone. But, and, uh, and it was just, it was even a thing where, like, because I, I referred to her, this girl I had met as a witch. Like, I, she didn't cast, she sort of cast a spell over me, whether it was an intentional or not. She didn't get anything out of me. Uh, but there was some sort of spell. Like, there was some sort of strange magic. And I actually believe she probably was involved with that billionaire. I believe she probably was just some, you know, arm candy for this billionaire. I don't think anything she said was a lie, to be honest. And I drew a picture of her while I was there, which naturally my friends didn't like. And uh, God, God forbid you express yourself. And I, I understand all this sounds really bad, like I'm just like smashing this this friend that you know I do actually care a lot about. But it was just a weird experience because as all all of this was going on, there were a lot of synchronicities. And I wasn't trying to hammer them home because we were all experiencing them. They weren't me by myself experiencing these and going, going like, hey guys, did you did you know what happened to me? Like, I, I heard about this thing and then and I saw it here and then this person said this. But it was that sort of level. It was like multi-layered recurring synchronicities. The kind that when they happen when you're traveling, you truly do feel like you're in some role-playing game or something. And this is before I started to really use the old RPGs as a point of reference for life, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was that sort of thing. And, you know, my friend's significant other was very, she would comment on it as well. She was noticing it almost constantly as well. And, you know, nobody was going like, oh, this is a sign of this, blah, blah, blah. Nobody was, like, prescribing too much meaning to it. But it was just, it was hard not to acknowledge. And things were coming up again and again. And certain words, patterns, like people even, were coming up again and again. But every time they would, you know, my close friend would just shut it down. He'd just go, no. It was like a dad coming home from work who was angry and just in a bad mood because something bad had happened at, at his job. And anything the kids say, like, hey, dad, I got an A on the spelling bee. I don't care. You know, and he just wants to sit down and read the paper and watch do the news and get even more upset. You know, it was that sort of feeling. And, 
you know, I think my, like my friend's significant other, like, she, you know, she, I, you know, she, I think she dealt with it like better, but for me, I was just like, well, I don't really want anything to do with this. So I just, I found my own little adventures and, uh, the friend, my friend ended up getting sick during this visit and blamed me because I had been sick like a week earlier. So I don't know, you know, I was fine by the time I got, to, I got to this place, but I was blamed for getting him sick as well. So that was like another weird angle to it. And uh, it was just a, it was, it was a very strange trip, uh, and it felt like a trip. It very, there was something hallucinatory about it. But just having those those little synchronicities and signs get shut down because this is something I think about. Because on one hand, you know, when I was younger, and by younger I mean yesterday, by younger I mean like an hour ago, <laughs> I used to like when those things used to happen. I used to want to like call somebody and be like, "You wouldn't believe what happened today." I was sitting on a bench and I saw an advertisement that said this word and then someone walked by and uh, an hour later in a completely different place and said this highly unique word directly to me and then uh, you know I, I went home and was watching something and and that show that that game show asked a question about that word you know it's like I would normally call somebody about that but now I just go yeah you know I'm just like yeah yeah that's what I like that's what I'm into. It's just, you know, I just let it roll off my back. I try to, at least. I try, you know. And I think that's, you know, I, that feels like the right approach, rather than just making a huge deal. Every, oh, my God, I'm just, it's the perfect everything. Everything's aligned. I got to let everybody know. I got I to gotta burden everybody with my highly personal, universal, cosmic experiences. Uh, but on this trip, it was just, that was just sort of how... The significant other and I were like, you know, we were just like, whoa, you know, that came up again. Whoa. And every time we just got shut down and, you know, I don't know. It, it was just, you know, it's it's like because I think about sometimes like the difference between just being letting it roll off your back versus shutting it down. Because I think I've, I've, I've definitely heard people on this subject say, like, you shouldn't acknowledge it. And they have almost this like cruel schoolmaster sort of attitude when a synchronicity or sign or something, something that feels like, uh, you know, just connected in some way. When that happens, there are some people who have a philosophy of you got to shut it down and minimize it and shut it out. Otherwise, it loses its power. I've got to hold on to its power. I've got to because and that's a funny thing, because it's like the people who do that, they're either coming from this place of like, I've got to hold on to that power and like acknowledging it's going to ruin it. If I say cool, if I think that synchronicity was cool, it's going to ruin it. Uh, and that's just like this cruel, unnecessary way of torturing yourself, shutting down what's ultimately a fun experience, a fun connectedness, connectiveness. And, uh, but it's funny how that attitude is shared by people who, who want to shut it down because they don't believe it has any power. So the type of people who just shut those things down, it seems like they either want to like hoard and savor that power or they just want to be like science coincidence you know no meaning you know so it's like it's weird how that kind of that harsh attitude towards those sorts of experiences uh come from people who both like place a high importance on those things and people who place no importance on them so it's just funny and so for me it's just it's what I've realized just in my own experience, just what makes life seem to go better, what makes those experiences, you know, 
more part of the grain, you know, and in going through the in trying to go with the grain of life, I find that just acknowledging them, recognizing them when they happen, but just rolling with them, just rolling with them and appreciating them for what they are. And there are some that are almost paralyzing. That's the thing, too, is there are some that are seemingly trivial, truly trivial. Game shows manage to tap into that for whatever reason. Game shows, game shows are this reservoir of like what's in our subconscious. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's like a system to how they choose questions, all of that. But ultimately, they're pulling from this, you know, deep, you know, you think about what trivia is when because we hear trivia now and we immediately think of game shows. We immediately think of games. But when you think about what trivia actually is, you know, it's just this this knowledge that, you know, may or may not be important. It's not necessarily important, and when you hear it, it's usually, you think about trivializing something, downplaying it, being like, that's trivial, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter in this situation, yet we're all drawn to it, you know, even if you're just like walking by like a TV in a bar, and if there's like trivia on TV, or a a trivia game going on in a bar, you get kind of sucked into it for a second, and there's something really exciting about it, even if you don't know the answer, sometimes that's even more fun. I mean, I, I love Jeopardy. My two favorite game shows, Jeopardy and Cash Cab. And naturally, both of those shows have produced weird synchronicities for me. And someone could say, well, a show that's designed to just like bring up trivial information constantly and has a constant cycle of trivial information, of course, it's, you know, on a probability level, it's bound to like overlap with your experiences on any given day, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, but, you know, sometimes it, you can't you you can't uh i don't know it sometimes it has a different feeling sometimes it gives you a sensation and it, it's not some sensation that oh now i've got a oh because that came up earlier today twice and jeopardy had a question about it i've got to give up all my material possessions join a monastery and you know uh struggle with the idea that i'm the savior of the spiritual world for the rest of my life it's not like it's that you know but it's just this sort of like oh okay Okay. And that's what I mean. Okay. Okay. It's not even yes. You know, earlier I said when when you do experience those sorts of things, saying like, cool, or yes, but it's more like, oh, okay. Okay. That seems to feel the best to me. Just saying, okay. And and not forcing yourself to say okay, but just kind of rolling with it. So just on this trip, it was like, the things that I enjoy are, you know, hanging out, adventure, and those things often intersect, and one can easily be the other. You know, adventure to me can be in your own backyard. It really can. Uh, I was talking last episode about how, you know, we love the idea that I know everything that's going on in every corner of my house. I know where every spider is. I know where every cat hair is. I know where every speck of dust is. I know every hidden passage. I know I've stuck my head in every air duct. And the idea that you don't know everything in your house is kind of unsettling. It's like, what, what's there? It's like the, the basis for movies, you know? There's that uh, cult classic. No, it's, it's, a, it's a cult TV movie that came out. I saw it once. A friend of mine got it. It's called Bad Ronald. And it's about a kid who kills a girl, a little girl in his neighborhood. So his mom, like, puts him in this room inside the middle of the house that nobody has access to. It's basically this walled-off room, and he does art in there, and it's highly relatable. (laughs) Uh, But he does art in there, 
And, you know, his mom ends up dying and he's still living in this secret room in the house and a new family moves in and he sneaks out, I think, to get food and to do things. And I can't really remember how the story unfolds. Uh, but, you know, that's like everybody's ultimate fear is that there's a bad Ronald living in the middle of their house in a secret room and they have no idea about it. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they, they think they know, you know, their own house so well, but really there could be anything there. And, and it could be something that they, you know, it could be something in a closet they forgot about. It could just be a memory lapse, you know, it could be anything. But we have this idea that, like, I know my own backyard. I know what's behind that bush. I know everything that's buried in my backyard. I've swept it with a with a with a mine uh, not a minesweeper. I've swept it with a metal detector and a minesweeper. Uh, you know, people have this idea, but you can truly find adventure in your own backyard. And I talked about how you know even just doing something like meditating in a room can take you to another place, and you open your eyes, and you're just like, "Wow, oh yeah, I'm here. I thought I was somewhere else, but I'm here." Uh, so it's the same, you know, the same is especially true, like if you're on vacation or traveling where it's like, you know, you don't necessarily need to hit all the spots and that can be fun too. It can be fun to be a tourist. I actually really enjoy being a tourist and hitting the spots you're supposed to hit sometimes, depending, depending. Uh, but for me, you know, I can truly find adventure just in sitting around in a backyard talking, you know, maybe you'll get onto a topic, you know, you'll get on, you start talking about something that, you know excites you. That's an adventure. Having a conversation can simply be an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but, you know, this this trip, it just felt like all the things that are naturally, that, that are naturally inviting to me were being just continually shut down and basically be, you know, and being told that the, the things that did excite me didn't matter. And this was all being done with what I felt, and maybe I'm wrong, but no, I, I know this was the case because it came up explicitly before and after uh, with this ulterior motive of trying to get me to move there. And it's like, you know, maybe if things had gone like smoothly, maybe if, you know, the things I liked hadn't been shut down at every corner, maybe if I hadn't been blamed for, you know, getting this person sick, you know, all this stuff, maybe I would have wanted to move there. You know, in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't because I think I'd be dead. I really, I think I probably would have you know, just stuck that bottle all the way down my throat uh, and been really lonely because I don't, I don't like this city at all, actually. But that said, I can go to a place I don't like and, and genuinely enjoy the adventure. So it's, I've done that. I mean, honestly, some of my best and most memorable and favoritist adventures have actually been places I don't like. Uh, and I, I would say, you know, once again, I think that can be your own backyard too. Sometimes, you know, being in a place that I, you know, when, I, when I've least liked being home, when I've least liked being in my own head, looking back in retrospect, when it, you know, it seemed so dark, and it might seem dark even today, I look back on that, and I'm like, man, that was a hell of an adventure. And that's a common experience, you know, there's a reason why people appreciate struggle. And in a weird way, just to come full circle, you know, that trip that I took, even though it didn't go as planned, and it kind of soured me in certain ways on this person, you know, not permanently, but it was just, it really kind of gave me a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, looking back, it was an adventure in its own right. You know, it wasn't the adventure that I wanted or that my friend wanted. But looking back, like the fact that I'm able to remember this and that it was somehow impactful on my worldview and all of that. And, and the fact that it was a struggle. I look back and I don't go, oh, I, I wish I could repeat that vacation. 
If I wish I could go back to that beach, and I, I, I wish right now I was sitting sitting on that beach in Hawaii, sipping a, a mai tai. You know, it's not like that sort of feeling, but it, it is a feeling of like, wow, you know, that was important. And I felt that way on a number of trips. I think I've spoken about my Korea trip, which coincidentally happened several months before this. And this trip was actually supposed to be sort of like a uh, a cleanser, which was funny. I, I'd had this kind of strange exploratory trip to South Korea that didn't really go as planned either. And I have to look at that, too, and say, clearly, I was bringing with me a certain energy. It, it goes back to that, like, cliche quote. Uh, is it Descartes? It's one of those people that I've never read, but there's a famous quote that girls love. Girls love this quote. Wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go, there you are. But it's, it's true. I mean, of course it's true. Uh, and I look back at these trips, and I'm like, well, these two trips with completely different people in completely fucking different places, different countries, neither of them went as planned. Both had a darkness to them. But I look back on both of them with a certain fondness because of what I learned. But I also see where, well, these trips didn't go as planned and had this negativity attached. And so clearly I'm the common denominator in that. And uh, clearly I was the common denominator on both of those trips. And even though I truly don't feel like I was, I didn't bring a bad attitude or I didn't like, I wasn't a, a dick. You know, I don't feel that like I was necessarily like, just this wrecking ball going to these different places, just like ruining my own time and the time of others. I truly don't feel like I was bringing that with me. I do see where maybe there was something intangible that was going on with me. Absolutely there was that I brought with me and produced a struggle between me and other people. And it was something I had to just get through. And it was just funny though, because I had just, I'd gotten back from Korea and that trip was kind of, you know, important to me, but it was also somewhat of a bummer. And then I was going to go visit someone very close to me in, in another city. And I remember thinking, gee, I'm sure glad I get to go visit my dear friend in a, a more familiar city that he's now established in. And it's going to be like a palate cleanser based on my last experience. And sure enough, nope. And again, yeah, I'm the common denominator there. But I do find that when I travel now, you know, I you know, who knows what's going to happen. I, I could go anywhere and experience struggle or darkness. But I do feel different when I travel. I haven't had that experience. Even when things haven't gone well on trips, you know, day trips, road trips, like little travels here and there, I haven't felt that same sort of tension, that dark tension. And I think those those trips happening so close together were important and significant, and, the, and that's why I can remember them. And this isn't just some excuse to be like, here's how a friend disappointed me. You know, it's, this isn't... This isn't that at all. And the unfortunate thing is if you talk at all about something and even if you try to be objective and if someone were to listen, they, they would naturally hear the thing. They would hear the, I don't know, they, they would hear it in a way that they feel reflects badly on them. And I hope in doing this show that, you know, so much of the show, it's like I, I worry about being like, oh, you know, do I come across that I'm being high on myself, uh, that I'm, you know, that I'm Mr. Perfect, I'm Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. I, no, so much of this show is about trying to better myself and what I've learned in trying to better myself. And I'm not at a place where I feel like I could tell anybody how to live their lives, and I hope I never do. I hope I'm never in a place where I try to get anybody to, any of the few listeners that regularly listen to this, whatever, you know, and I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just saying that. Uh, just, you know, 
I don't know. It's just, it's this thing where it's like I, I, on this show, it's like I, I like to constantly like note what I feel is improvement or a widening of perspective. And I am somebody who believes in working hard. And to go back to astrology, to go back to astrology, I'm a, a Capricorn with a Leo rising. And that means that I like to work hard and then I feel proud. Because Capricorns just put their nose to the grindstone and work hard, and Leos love to show off. So I'm a, I'm a cap I'm a Cappy with a Leah Leo rising, and that means that I work hard and like to show it off. Uh, so that sort of thing is is something like you know you contend with, where it's like if you do try to improve yourself, and if you do stop to be like, oh well, I feel like I've gained some better understanding, or here's what I've learned. It can come across like, listen to me. You want to live a perfect life? Well, listen to Mr. Perfect. You know, because I, I have a long way to go uh, before I'm even at a place where I feel like I can truly say I'm better than I once was, even though that's always the, the goal, really. Um, but this show is also an opportunity to talk about ways in which I'm a piece of shit and not in a, you know, forceful, self-deprecating way, because I love self-deprecation when it's natural, but, you know, when someone's forcing it, it's painful. It's like, ugh, I know what you're trying to do. And when, like, a celebrity does that, or somebody, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, I know what you're trying to do, and what you're actually achieving is the opposite. In enforcing this self-deprecation, you're actually, I don't know, you're, you're manipulating people or something. Uh, and... It's almost like, you know, it's kind of like looking someone in the eye where it's like, I don't see how people can look each other in the eye and give each other a firm handshake anymore because it's in all the books. It's in all the manuals, you know, and when people still because I, I get that sometimes because like in conversation, I often get lost in thought. If I'm actually engaged in a conversation, I don't really like to look people in the eye because it's just it breaks my concentration. It truly breaks my concentration a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time to look someone in the eye. And people have called me out. They're like, you never look people in the eye. And they're all, you know, I'm not going to say they're always gross people, but it's often the people who I least want to look in the eye, <laughs> hence not looking them in the eye, who call me out for it. But it's like, you know, used car salesmen look you in the eye and shake your hand while selling you something that's going to break down five minutes after you buy it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't see how we can still subscribe so much power and meaning to like looking someone in the eye and giving them a firm handshake. And I do, you know, a firm handshake just feels better. It's not about trying to impress somebody. I like a firm handshake because it, it feels better to do it right. <laughs> uh, it's not to try to like, you know, sell yourself to somebody. Uh, it just, a weak handshake just doesn't feel right. Uh, you know, it's like putting your hand into a bucket of slime. Uh, but still, it's like if if there's like a you know, and sure, a lot of self help is true, and I I cite that shit you know on here, like I I talk about that shit sometimes on here. But it's like you can't call someone out out for things that used car salesmen have effectively taken control of. You know, it's like slimy business people have taken control of those techniques to impress people. So if somebody doesn't use those, how is that a sign of bad character? You know what I mean? It's just it's just that weird thing, and I'm not sure why I'm talking about that. Uh, but I guess there is always that balance, and if I talk about people, especially people that I'm no longer in touch with or not currently in touch with, even if I still care about them, there's this idea that, oh, if they were to hear this or if... And I try not to get too personal, because if I were to get like really personal, this would just be like... 
an indictment of so so many people and I would feel so sick and you know I would feel like that bucket of slime you're dipping your hand into when you give someone a weak handshake I would be the bucket of slime and maybe I am I don't know or maybe that's just an attempt to be self-deprecating to like reflect whatever it is I'm actually saying I don't know uh, but, I, you know, I do want to communicate that, like, hey, some of this show is about what a piece of shit I can be. Some of this show is about ways that I've tried to better myself and feel that I have, you know. And maybe there's a balance in that. Maybe not. Maybe one wins out. Maybe one doesn't. I don't really know. But I know that the things I like most are adventure and hanging out. And those two things bleed into each other in a perfect way. Uh, if you do them naturally, if you let them flow naturally. And that could be anywhere. It could truly be anywhere. Because uh, as funny as it is to, you know, quote, not as funny, but as, uh, as true as it is to quote cliche, probably decontextualized old philosophy quotes like, wherever you go, there you are. Uh, the, the opposite is also true, because wherever you go, there you aren't. Think about that one. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free 